0: Cryptocurrencies tumble over the weekend with some of the biggest digital currencies now down more than 70% since late last year. Qantas tries to allay fears of chaos ahead of the upcoming school holidays and Ferrari goes electric. It's Monday the 20th of June 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson and good morning, Sean Aylmer.
1: Good morning, Michael. I know it's a twentieth. Is, is the winter solstice today or tomorrow? It, it is tomorrow. I am counting
0: down. It is a, a technically kind of. I don't know how you have an exact moment for the winter
1: solstice, but I think it's like about five forty tomorrow afternoon. Is that right? Oh, that's probably the time the sun goes down, and then we just get longer days, and we can start looking towards summer, even though we've got two and a half months of winter to go.
0: Oh, I know. We'll, but we will cling to anything, won't we? We will at the moment. Uh, and you know what? There's actually a surprising number of people that really kind of hinge all of their hopes on the winter solstice. That, that I was talking to a couple of people the other day, and they said, you know what's coming up, right? It's the winter solstice. I'm, I know. Isn't that great news? I do. I do, yeah. because I just know that the days start to get longer.
1: Yes. Yeah. I can sort of rationalize that we're getting through winter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if you just do put kind of to one side, just forget about the fact that we still have the (laughs) coldest month still to go. Apart from that, July and August still to go. But you know what? We're very positive people here at Fear and Greed, and we will focus on the solstice and the fact that it's an improve after that. Now, Sean, we've got a really good chat today. One of our favorite guests, our regular, semi-regular kind of guest,
1: Matthew Kidman, Principal of Centennial Asset Management, is joining you. Yeah, given what happened in financial markets and equity markets last week and really all year, we thought we'd ask Matthew, what should an investor do? And uh, he gave us some pretty good tips on that. Well, worth a listen.
0: Yeah, no, it's a cracker of a chat. Uh, The main story this morning, Sean, is about a different area of investing and it's all about something that we've talked a fair bit about in the past, but God, there's a lot happening. The crisis in cryptocurrencies has worsened big falls in the value of some of the largest digital currencies. And there's fears now that people won't be able to get their
1: money out. Exactly. It's a worry for millions of people who hold digital currencies. Bitcoin over the weekend fell as low as $17,600. US It's now down about 70% since last October. Number two, digital currency Ether fell 19% over the weekend to its lowest level since January 2021. It recovered somewhat, but it's off about 75% since November last year. In fact, the value of cryptos in the world has gone from about $3 US dollars late last year to well under $1 trillion now. That means people have lost that $2 US trillion. People are selling digital currencies and finding buyers isn't easy, hence the prices are falling. According to trading platform Coinbase, which itself has just laid off a bunch of workers, investors are selling hundreds of millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin and Ether in 24-hour periods. Over the past week, exchanges have frozen redemptions. US-based Celsius Network did so a week ago. And then on Friday, Hong Kong digital asset finance lender Babel Finance did the same thing. Stablecoins, as we now aren't proving so stable. There's been job losses in the industry as crypto companies lose value. And an influential multi-billion dollar investor in the market, a group called Three Arrows Capital, over the weekend conceded it was looking for a bailout. That's bad news when the big investors in the sector start looking for help.
0: Sean, it just kind of reiterates the message, doesn't it, about if you're making any investment decisions, make sure you get some professional advice. Absolutely. Now, look, we we have kind of seen something like this before, and cryptos do seem to bounce somewhat. Is that likely to happen this time? And I suppose the real question is, why is the sell-off occurring
1: Digital currencies are volatile, really, really volatile. What's worrying many market watchers this cycle is that the value of the units have fallen back below the peak of the previous cycle. So normally cryptos go up and down, but the trend tends to be up. That's not the case now. And there's so many cryptos out there. In fact, according to the Sunday Times, there's more than 10,000 cryptocurrencies in the world. 10,000. Incredible, isn't it? So Why don't investors want crypto? Well, there's too many of them. 10,000 is far too much. But more importantly right now, inflation and rising interest rates. Also, also, there's plenty of regulatory concerns around them. And the threat of official digital currencies being developed by central banks also weighs on private sector digital currencies. Wrap all that up, Michael. The sector is in big trouble.
0: 10,000 digital currencies. Yeah. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Amazing. Amazing. Oh, it just feels like everyone has gone out and started one of the last few years. I'm blown away by that. But anyway, Sean, it was it was such broadly a tough week for investors last week. Looking beyond crypto, does
1: this week look any better? Uh, maybe. I mean, who knows? That's the thing. <laughs> there's, there's just so much volatility around at the moment. I mean, the, the market locally will be anxiously waiting to see what the Reserve Bank says in testimony to Parliament this week. Uh, On Friday, the S&P ASX 200 finished down another 1.8% to 6,475 points, its lowest close since 2020. It dropped 6.6% last week. It's down about 12% over the past year and is off 15% from its peak in April. Now, on Friday, the market was led lower by the big miners, in part thanks to a drop in iron ore prices. HP was off 4%, Rio Tinto and Fortescue were both down nearly 5%. Tech stocks and financials were also sold off. Three of the big four banks, Commonwealth Bank, Westpac, and ANZ, are now trading at 52 week lows. Basically, investors are worried that a tsunami of bad debts is about to come and hit the banks. One sector which did outperform on Friday was gold. Silver Lake Resources, Evolution Mining, Remelius Resources were all up by more than 6%. percent market leader Newcrest Mining rose 3.4%, while Northern Star Resources was up more than 5%. That's because in volatile times, people like safe havens, and gold is probably the best safe haven of the lot. As we've found out, cryptos is not.
0: And Sean, what's happening in overseas markets?
1: Well, Wall Street finally finished higher over the weekend after some pretty dreadful sessions. The tech-heavy Nasdaq led the way, closing up 1.4%. The broader-based S&P 500 finished up slightly. For the week, the S&P 500 lost nearly 6% and the Nasdaq was off nearly 5%. US markets will be closed tonight for the Juneteenth National Independence Day. Juneteenth. 10th. Juneteenth. 10th. What is it? Ah, Very good question. I had to look it up because I had never heard of it. It's a federal holiday in the US introduced by President Joe Biden last year oh. to commemorate the emancipation of enslaved African-Americans. So it's the second annual Juneteenth National Independence Day. There you go. That would explain because I have seen references to it and I, I didn't realize that it was in fact a new national holiday. It makes sense. I'm ashamed to say I I had never even heard of it until I realised markets were closed and I couldn't work out why. So there you go.
0: Yeah, indeed. All right. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, the federal government is sticking by its election promise to reduce household energy bills by $275 a year, notwithstanding the fairly significant crisis in the energy sector at the moment.
1: While state energy ministers are working on a solution to be able to keep energy in reserve, Federal Minister Tony Burke yesterday said the government would invest in the transition to renewable energy and that would cut power bills by that $275 a year By 2025, it's just one part of a broad agenda for the new government. In an interview with Nine Media, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said ambitious climate change targets, 10 days of domestic and family violence leave, and the creation of Jobs and Skills Australia will be the first three pieces of businesses when the new parliament sits late next month. I'm looking forward to parliament getting back to Canberra. Meanwhile, opposition leader Peter Dutton said the coalition would increase its own 2030 emissions reduction target. Before the next election, that's always been very controversial, particularly between the Nats and the Libs. So we'll see how he goes on that one.
0: Auction clearance rates, Sean, over the weekend fell to their lowest level in almost a year as a jump in offerings wasn't really matched by a jump in buyers.
1: That's right. The preliminary national clearance rate fell to under 58%, the lowest since August last year. There was a big jump in auctions, thanks to the previous weekend being the Queen's birthday holiday in many states. Sydney and Melbourne's clearance rates have been falling for a while, but now some of the smaller capitals, including Adelaide and Brisbane, have joined that trend. Sydney's clearance rate was 55.4%. Melbourne was at just under 58%. Adelaide was best at 70%. Canberra was 59%. And Brisbane was way down at 52%. With interest rates rising, price growth is also slowing. And in some cases, of course, prices are going backwards. Several market economists now expect prices overall to decline by about 20% from peak to trough.
0: Sean, this is an interesting one in New South Wales. The coalition government there has unveiled a scheme to help some government workers and older
1: people buy a home. Yeah, the New South Wales budget comes out this week and we have heard a lot about it before it's actually been released. This one, it's a bit like the plan that the Labor Party took to the federal election. Under the proposal, the government will take up to a 40% equity share in houses bought by teachers, nurses, police single parents, and singles over 50. The participants will only have to come up with a deposit of 2%, which is tiny, and 3,000 homes will be available. There'll also be relief around mortgage insurance.
0: And along a similar theme, Sean, Westpac said it will offer incentives to childcare operators,
1: including cheap loans. That's right. Last week, we had the New South Wales and Victorian governments announcing free preschool care for four-year-olds. Now, Westpac said it will apply a more flexible lending criteria and priority service for childcare operators. It will also reduce the equity required for loans and offer low interest rates. Childcare is a key strategic focus for Westpac along with agribusiness, professional services, and healthcare, so they've decided to make their offering much more competitive for that sector.
0: Okay. Now, I mentioned this one at the start of the show. Qantas boss, Alan Joyce, was out and about on Friday trying to allay fears of chaos at the airline during the upcoming school holiday period.
1: That's right. There's chaos at the passport office now, which will then transfer to, I think, the terminals and the airlines over the school holiday period, some which starts in the next week or so. Mr. Joyce said the airline had employed more staff and wait times at call centres were shortening. The average call waiting time is now six minutes, which I think is reasonable. Whereas a few weeks ago, there were stories of five hour waits when you're calling Qantas. Mr. Joyce said the issue of staff shortages leading to flight cancellations, lost bags, and other problems over Easter had also been addressed. Some of us are going on holidays soon, so let's hope they have.
0: I was, look, I'm going to be honest, I was wondering whether there was a little bit of self interest. Mm -hmm. Coming into this one. A lot of self-interest. Because we, we have seen this before that occasionally a story will sneak <laughs> its way into fear and greed because it, it coincides with your home renovations or your
1: upcoming trip overseas. or just just picking a few out at random. I hope you noted the passport office reference. Oh, mm. I did. Still waiting for the passports. Five <laughs> days to go.
0: The pressure is on and the clock is ticking now, Sean. All right, now, Latitude Financial and Hum Group have dropped plans to merge their instalment, pay, buy now, pay later, and credit card businesses.
1: Yes, Latitude was going to buy Hum's consumer finance arm, which includes those businesses, but Hum released a market update showing a more than 60% drop in cash profit for the first five months, and the deal's been abandoned. It's a win of sorts for Andrew Abercrombie, Hum's largest shareholder with 23% of the company, who had been telling shareholders to wait for a better offer. And Sean, I I don't know if anyone happened to miss it on
0: the weekend, our weekend edition is, it's a lot of fun. It is where we pick out our our favorite story of the week and the biggest story and a few other categories. And we we basically argue between us over who has the better stories. My story that I chose as the most remarkable story for the last week was everything that was happening with Bubs Australia. There's been a big development. Yes, (laughs)
1: Yes, <laughs> sort of, sort of. Look, the infant formula maker last Friday upped its profit and revenue forecast. No surprise, given it's been shipping tins to the US for the last 10 days to help relieve the critical shortage of formula in that country. We spoke about that in the weekend edition. But, Michael, there's another reason for the upgrade, it's slightly more surprising, at least to me. Will Lu is a social media star in China. He's got three kids, and he's an ambassador for bubs in that nation. Chief Executive Christy Carr said Mr. Liu was signed on just before the lockdowns in China and said his happy dances on China's equivalent of TikTok had proven very popular. Hence, the earnings upgrade. There you go. Bub's share price was up another 9% on Friday, taking the gain over the past month to about 80%.
0: Is there something we can learn from this? That um, really, all we need for fear and greed to grow quickly, even more quickly than it is, is for you to dance on TikTok. I was
1: going to suggest you. <laughs> uh, I don't think me dancing on TikTok. Hmm, I think it'd be detrimental. Oh, this the voyeur in me wants to see that just because,
0: <laughs> just because it would be very, very entertaining. Anyway, we'll just we'll, we'll workshop that idea. We might we might have an update on that one. Probably not. Moving on to overseas news. Sean, workers at an Apple store in Maryland, which is a state in the US, have voted to join a union. It is the first retail employees of Apple to unionize.
1: Yes, Apple has been proudly non-union for decades, but over the weekend 100 workers in a town near Baltimore voted to join the International Association of Machinists And aerospace workers, I just thought it was kind of interesting that the machinists and the aerospace workers go together. However, I don't know much about unions in the U.S. It is kind of an interesting trend in the U.S. at the moment. Workers from some of the big technology companies, and in fact, some of the big companies are pushing to unionize. Workers at Amazon have done so, Uh, same deal at Starbucks Unionisation rates in the US have been falling for decades. Nationally, it's 10.3%, though in the private sector, it's just 6.1%. There is just a little move now, though, to join a union.
0: Sean, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, name in motor vehicles, Ferrari, is going electric.
1: Yes, I just don't know what to think about this. The Italian vehicle manufacturer says 80% of its sales by 2030 will be electric or hybrid vehicles. Now, the group has vowed to continue making unique cars, but will rely more on third parties for electric parts. In some ways, it's trickier for manufacturers like Ferraris because EVs can't match the combustion engine sports car's sustained power, and Michael EVs don't quite have that throaty roar of today's Ferrari. Now, just having told you that story, as Ferrari was explaining this. They also came out and said they're going to produce their first ever sports utility vehicle from September, and that one will have a petrol guzzling 12-cylinder engine.
0: Okay, so they're not quite moving there straight away. <laughs> not, not quite over the line. Okay. Cosmetics giant Revlon, Sean, has filed for bankruptcy, unable to manage its heavy debt load after failing to
1: capture younger buyers. My mother will be mortified on this one, Michael. And then that's kind of the problem. Cosmetics growth has been driven by social media influences in recent years, and neither Revlon, nor my mother for that matter, was on that train. The current global supply chain crunch and inflation is the tipping point for Revlon. It's got about 2.3 billion US dollars in assets and about 3.7 billion US dollars in debt. In short, competitors, including L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, and a bunch of new players, Kim Kardashian, for example, have done a much, much better job using bloggers and Instagram personalities and growing their business, and Revlon has pretty much missed it.
0: Okay. Now, Sean, up next is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview, and today you're speaking with Matthew Kidman from Centennial Asset Management.
1: Matthew is a great one at explaining in plain English what he likes and doesn't like about the market, where he thinks you should invest, and where you probably should stay away from. We're not a financial advice podcast. Of course, get your own advice. But beforehand, why not listen to Matthew? Yeah. It is always one of our most popular episodes. Whenever Matthew
0: appears, always a very popular choice. And also, while you're there, have a listen to
1: Stephen Kukulis, our resident economist, joining us every Monday for the week ahead. Yes. And given everything that's been going on in financial markets, we have a great chat about what happened last week, but just how important what the Reserve Bank says this week is for the economy.
0: Yeah. All right. They're both coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Monday, the 20th of June, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.